Hello and welcome. My name is Father William Maestri, and this is another edition of Gabriel's Trumpet for Friday, January the 14th. Our reading this morning comes to us by way of the letter to the Hebrews, chapter 10, verses 32 through 39. Hebrews, chapter 10, verses 32 through 39. By way of introduction to this particular uh, selection from Hebrews, uh, yesterday, Thursday, being the 13th, uh, the government reported that uh, inflation is now at a 20-year high of running 7% annually. And uh, this caused a great deal of uh, consternation and uh, upset uh, throughout the uh, country, but anyone who has to go to the grocery every day, I do, and buy what you need for the day, you were well aware of inflation. Inflation is a tax because it cheapens your dollar. The reason being, you have less buying power. What was once one dollar is now a dollar and seven cents and so on and so forth like that. And so it's running at 7%. And so we realize that there's a tremendous disconnect between price and value. Today we have become increasingly aware of the price of everything and too often the value of nothing. It's not only true in the market not only true at the gas pump and in various other consumer products that we have each day, but also in the spiritual life as well, in our daily life. The price of everything, the value of nothing. We often equate price with value, and we realize that that's a very bad economic 101 principle that price or cost and value often have a disconnect because what's overlooked is the question of inflation. Uh, the more something costs from one day to the next uh, for the same dollar, it cheapens your dollar, your buying power, as we say. What's the reason for this uh, bit of economics 101 that uh, most of us are familiar with but seems to escape some people uh, who set policies? Well, in the letter to the Hebrews, uh, the writer, which the setting for Hebrews is possibly a, a baptismal, a baptismal setting that has taken place. There are people who are coming to be baptized, plus the congregation of those who have already been baptized. And the writer to the Hebrews says, recall the days gone by when you entered and endured a great contest of suffering after you had been enlightened. After you had been baptized, 
you were often ostracized, shunned. You had gone over to Jesus. You yourself had now become a baptized believer in the Lord Jesus as the Messiah and Savior. He says, at times you were publicly exposed to insult and trial. At other times, you associated yourselves with those who were being so dealt with. In other words, you didn't forsake your friends. You didn't forsake the community. But you joined in their sufferings. Of those who were in prison, you visited them. You cared for them. So naturally, there was guilt by association. Birds of a feather and all that sort of thing. And joyfully assisted to the confiscation of your goods. So therefore, the police, in this case, the Roman authorities, would come and confiscate what you had. After all, uh, if you were associated with them and they were considered criminals, then obviously what you have must be gotten by ill gains or illegitimate ways. And, of course, the religious authorities, the religious establishment was right there with them, uh, promoting this kind of activity. And it's interesting because the preacher to uh, Hebrews says, you joyfully assisted to the confiscation of your goods. You didn't resist. You didn't demand for the search warrant, not that it would have helped if they even knew what that was. Knowing, and this is the important point, huh? knowing that you had better and more permanent possessions. Knowing that you had better and more permanent possessions. In other words, they were taking your stuff. But you had something that could not be taken from you. You had the gift of faith and your baptism in the Lord Jesus Christ. They couldn't get their hands on that. They couldn't confiscate that. They couldn't put that in some kind of storage room because it was within your very being. The totality now of who and whose you are, who you belong to. You no longer belong to the state. You no longer belong to the religious establishment. You belong to Christ, him crucified and risen. And what more valuable, beyond price, could you, could you have, could you be given, than the gift of faith? For you know you had better and more permanent possessions. It's a, it's a beautiful thought, but it's more than a beautiful thought. It is a profound and deep reality that people can take your stuff, people can ridicule you, people can ostracize you, people can turn away from you, you don't get invited. You're looked upon with a certain degree of snickering. Uh, eyes roll, people turn away, people may even abandon you. That, that comes and goes, that ebbs and flows. But you have a more permanent possession that no one can take from you because no one gave it to you. It was Almighty God's gift. And the preacher says, 
do not then surrender your confidence. It will have great reward. Stand, stand firm. Through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, stand firm in that gift of faith, in the profession of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It will have great reward. In other words, take the long view. People can walk away. Goods can be confiscated. All of those things pass. They're temporal things. What is permanent, eternal, and enduring is God's gift to you of faith. You need, the writer says, you need patience to do God's will and receive what he has promised. You need patience to do God's will. Uh, it's not a it's not a microwavable thing where you just shove it in and then everything is fine. Just punch the buttons up when the bell tings or whatever it does, when the buzzer sounds. It, it, everything is fine. That's not reality. It might work on your uh, frozen dinner, but it doesn't work on a frozen heart. And that great gift of faith, it, 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 it nourishes, it matures, over time, often in the seedbed of suffering, of trial. You need patience. You will receive what he has promised because God is faithful. God never goes back on himself. He never goes back on his word. And he quotes, a brief moment and he who is to come will come. Not just man will live by faith. The just man, the just man will live by faith. If he draws back, God will take no pleasure in him. Don't draw back. Don't retreat. Don't surrender. Stay firm in your convictions. Those who have faith, will live. Faith will live. And he says, just a, just a brief moment of this, of this suffering. It's a brief moment. You say, well, it's not a brief moment. Well, it's a brief moment compared to eternity. You have a brief moment. In the span of eternity, it's, uh, it's less than one grain of one sand on the Sahara Desert. That's, that's, that's one, that, that's not even a measure of what eternity is. And so we're being invited to take the long view, play the long game, endure in the present for eternity. Because you have been given that which is priceless. We don't earn it. We don't merit it. It's not owed to us. It's God's gracious gift to know Jesus Christ and him crucified. St. Paul will say uh, in his letter to the Philippians, I consider all has, has lost compared to having found the Lord Jesus. 
All means nothing. All is rubbish compared to knowing Christ and him crucified and risen. And that's the great gift that is offered to us in our faith. That better and more permanent possession. We're being asked and invited not to look at the short-term price and miss the value. We're asked to look in eternity and see the priceless value of what has been given us. To live that and share that. To be patient and persist. For God does not go back on his word. And what we have endured will be to our reward with Almighty God for eternity in his divine presence. God bless you.